This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Pixel People Podcast, where we go beyond the quest lines to discover the backstories and motivations of our favorite video game NPCs to better understand them and ourselves. I'm Amelia, also known as Firewriter, and each episode I'm chatting with a special guest about a character they find particularly interesting. Since we're taking a close look at how these characters impact the story, please be aware that spoilers are likely. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, so before we dive in, I just wanted to share with you real quick that I now have a Patreon. I have no plans to include corporate advertising on the show, so if you'd like to support what I'm doing here, I hope you'll check it out. I've got some great rewards at every level, including, for Tier 2 and Tier 3 subscribers, an invitation to record and send me your thoughts about a character I've covered on the show to be included in a future episode. Check it out at patreon.com slash firewriter, and you can find the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for being a listener. On with the show. Welcome to Pixel People. I'm Amelia, aka Firewriter, and my guest today wears a number of different hats. Professionally, he's a long-haul trucker, and he also hosts his own podcast called Nightwolf Radio. He's also a Twitch streamer, currently working towards becoming an affiliate. In addition, he's a family man with three beautiful kids and a beautiful wife and amazing friends who have helped him with the challenges life throws his way. Zemnies, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So glad to have you. Yeah. So, yeah, this this is going to be fun. <laughs> so tell me who you brought to talk about today. Well, I brought today somebody who really has, doesn't get looked at very often, uh, I feel, as an NPC and as just a, a general character, even though he is one of the most more famous ones uh, that are out there. But... Um, and his background is also a little bit more of a, you know, you have to really dig for it in order to find his story. And so that's that's one of the things that I, I kind of liked about him. But um, it's Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. So Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. So um, as I was kind of telling you earlier, um, I have played Final Fantasy VII, but it was a very long time ago. So, I mean, I was pregnant with my oldest kid so we're talking 21 years ago and that was a very weird part of my life so i don't remember a lot of it <laughs> that's very understandable so, <laughs> like i remember playing it but i don't remember a lot about the game so we're kind of coming from that aspect and uh you know but uh so for anybody who like and, and which is unfortunate because they you know they just released the uh remake which I very much want to play and just haven't had a chance to yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I've I've played through the game, but I don't remember literally half of the game because when I played <laughs> it and beat it, it was when I think I was like 12 or 13. And, oh, wow. and yeah. so that was a long time ago for me. And then when they came out with the remake, it, uh, you know, which just... So everyone knows the the Final Fantasy VII remake is only part of the full entire story. So you're gonna if you haven't played it already, it's only like basically the first um, 
I guess it would be like the first few um, hours of like the the original game, I would think, or maybe more than. I that. didn't know that. Yeah, they're 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 basically doing it in piece by piece because this uh, Final Fantasy remake was, I think it's the first. I think it's before they even go uh, and leave. Um, leave the city so and they didn't even show that they were leaving the city i don't remember uh once you beat it um or if they did uh, i think it's basically the time before they go and leave leave the city so then they're going to be doing another part which they're actually currently working on so it's going to be new uh you know new and different experience because i think the the actual original game i mean you literally were playing like hundreds of hours just to just to beat it. Um, oh yeah. So uh, that's what they're doing is they're doing it piece by piece. So this is like part one. The next one will be like part two and so on. Okay. And like um, one of the things that um, my understanding is that they've changed some things in remake in the remake. So it's it's not like a uh, scene for scene remake. They they changed some story elements too. Yes, they did. They they basically made it to where it's a little bit more simpler to for people to understand mm, okay. in a way. Um, and there's some of the dialogue that if you go and watch some of the um, uh, original gameplay of ri- the original Final Fantasy VII, just the the dialogue that you're reading, some of it is actually changed from that. But there is a lot of it that has stayed the same, and it's actually pretty cool to see the difference between the two. Um, and, yeah. and then there's some things that um, are a little bit different uh, story-wise, um, because, they're, they're, for instance, like in the, the beginning of Final Fantasy VII, uh, when you go to meet, um, or you go and, and see, um, what's the, the little girl's name there? Marlene? Marlene, um, she actually gets told to go and watch the bar in the the original game. Whereas this game, after you meet her, whatever, they ask her to wait outside on the front steps. So it's a it's a little bit okay. different for some things. Other things, it has stayed the same. But all in all, the whole game, it's it's like a totally new game. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so tell me, and and for those of us who haven't played it in a very long time, and uh, for those of us who've never played it, can you uh, kind of describe uh, how this character, how Sephiroth's story kind of plays out uh, in the game? Yeah. Um, what role he plays? So basically with Sephiroth, he is the antagonist of the the game because he is basically the baddie that you come across in multiple segments of the game now um just to give you a little bit of a backstory on it um if you play the final fantasy uh remake it shows you different parts of sephiroth coming into clouds uh vision and everything and and it's like it's almost like a hallucination but it's not Mm. Whereas, um, and just to, to give you a little bit of understanding of that, because 
when you're playing Final Fantasy VII, Sephiroth is actually technically dead. Because in mm. Crisis Core, I believe, is when um, Cloud actually went and killed him the first time. Okay. So you're seeing visions of him throughout the game. And, like, for instance, there's one uh, part where you're in the first reactor that you go and blow up in, in the remake. And you see a black feather that floats down after you're trying to uh, get out of the Undercity and you get up onto the city uh, area underneath the one you just blew uh, on the plate you just blew. And um, so you're looking, you know, you're going through trying to find your way out of there to get to the train station. Well, you end up finding a feather. And then he has this whole thing where he it's like a, a... you can tell it's a kind of like a vision because then he starts getting Cloud starts getting like a headache and everything and he's always uh, Sephiroth is always sitting there bugging the daylights out out of Cloud and you know making him <laughs> basically teasing him and, and pushing him on and so on and so throughout the game it, it's like that and um, there's also been movies made out of it uh, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children uh, which happened mm-hmm. after. Final Fantasy VII, like two years after. And, um, you know, it basically makes it to where um, Sephiroth finally can come back. And when he does, he has to go through all the ones that were um, created through uh, the soldier uh, soldier class. And um, it's it's a whole whole huge long story um, with, with it. And... Sephiroth is probably one of the worst and yet best characters of the Final Fantasy series, and I, I'll explain mm-hmm. more later, but um, pretty much he, he's the main bad guy throughout the whole entire game of the original game and of the remake. Okay, so um, kind of tell me, uh, so why, why did you pick Sephiroth? What was it about him? Well, the reason why I picked him is because one reason is because of the fact that a lot of people don't really talk about him much. I mean, they're like, oh, well, he's cool. He can wield, a, you know, a really large sword and all this kind of stuff. And when I first actually came across Sephiroth, it wasn't in any of the Final Fantasy games because I didn't even know about Final Fantasy VII until after I played um, it was Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Because you, you, yeah, yeah, you can fight him in both of those games. And what really Mm -hmm. drew me to him was then when he appeared in the second game, there was more dialogue. He was looking for Cloud, and he was just very mysterious about who he was and and how, you know, he was trying to do whatever it was that he was trying to do. And so after that, I went ahead and started playing you know, Final Fantasy VII, and then when I beat the game, I went through all of the uh, story of Sephiroth, and Mm -hmm. it's actually a pretty interesting and pretty uh, sad story if you, you know, you look at it. Um, And he's one of the characters that made me go, this guy has a lot of, you know, not really class, but he's got a, a way about him that is not only mysterious, but he can make people doubt themselves very easily just by 
planting one little tiny seed in someone's mind and it makes them have yeah. doubts about themselves and it makes their strength dwindle. And that's something that's to me is kind of a unique thing about him because not very many characters or um, NPCs or even bad guys can actually do that to the point where it's just like one simple word and you're already doubting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because one word and I'm doubting myself could be like the theme of my life. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. (laughs) But so, okay, so let's talk about his backstory a little bit, because, you know, it's like I was, I was, you know, reading up and, you know, doing, doing my, doing my studying, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and reminding myself of, you know, of the character. And I mean, he has a very interesting backstory um, going back to before he was born, Mm -hmm. because he wasn't so much born. Well, he was born. But he was pretty well messed with before he was born. Yep. Yep. So basically, um, with Sephiroth, he was born to uh, Professor Hojo and Lucretia Crescent. I can't say that too well. Crescent. Um, and that was about 27 years before uh, the exact, uh, or before Final Fantasy VII happened. Um, And basically, uh, his father went and was working on a a project called the Genova Project that, Mm -hmm. you know, studied the remains of an extraterrestrial, oh my word, I can't say it, (laughs) entity, uh, (laughs) basically an alien, um, and it was uh, her name was Genova, and she was mistaken for one of the ancient people who had the power to talk to the planet, which is actually Aerith in uh, Final Fantasy VII. And okay. so she got mistaken for that. So what happened was when before he was even born, he took his father took cell samples of Genova and injected the cells into his wife and Sephiroth. And so when he was born, he basically was, I I guess you could call him a a super soldier, a godlike super soldier, maybe. Um, Yeah. And to me, that was kind of a sad thing because it's like, why would you do that to a child and your wife? The two people you would care about the most. You know, to me, that that in itself is kind of a little bit borderline evil or bad. <laughs> I, I think we're crossing the crossing that particular border. I will say it is straight on. evil. Yeah, I mean, that is that is an evil, evil thing to do. I mean, if you because you don't know what the result is going to be. Yeah, exactly. You don't know what kind what kind of things or abilities he's going to have, if he's going to have any kind of mutations things like that, you know, there could be a whole number of things. It could even kill both of them, but obviously it didn't. Um, yeah. But, um, and, and one of the things that it, it was interesting, too, is because when I was reading up on this, too, because uh, I know I remember reading it a long time ago, but it, it reminded me uh, when I went back through and started rereading all of it, is that there were complications during uh, the pregnancy. After he did that. Yeah. And 
his yeah. wife was having a lot of pain. She was fainting, uh, you know, pretty much constantly. Uh, there was reoccurring nightmares of her son committing terrible things. And yeah. so then a- after he was finally born, he was actually taken by Shinra, who is the, I guess, I guess in a way he would, they are also an antagonist in Final Fantasy VII because they, they built the city and they're basically pulling the life stream which is basically the life force of the planet out of the planet to make the electricity and all the the gadgets and stuff that they had and so mm, interesting okay it's it's one of those things where it's like all based on science they're trying to make things better but in the end what kind of atrocities are they making and creating while they're trying to to do better for people you know and yeah yeah and like here in the in the wiki too it talks about like his mother never even had the chance to hold him yeah so it's like she was basically just treated as you know like a breeding vessel yeah like 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 a test tube she was treated like a test tube exactly and and, you know in in a lot of these games like there there has been you know in all, all different kind of final fantasy games there's been different things that scientists have done that were questionable you know that shouldn't be done but this is really starting to go more on the evil side of things with how it was and and that was like one of the saddest things because i know like as a father you know not being able to hold your child even once is heartbreaking you know just thinking about it it makes you go you know that is not something i would want to have happen you know i would at least want to hold the child and say hey you know i'm your dad and then okay if they got taken away because they were unhealthy or anything and they had to have more care okay fine and that that's be some that would be something i would be okay with but not just given over to someone when you haven't even mm-hmm. you know held the child and yeah. to shinra who made soldiers super soldiers and right well and like um i mean there are studies that clearly show too that a child that is not held and loved and cared for in those ways will develop like severe um mental health issues i mean like like severe and and some some of the studies you know are are based on you know children who whose parents died horrible. you know something happened but there's also been like really unethical experiments where they specifically you know deny a child exactly uh, physical touch and physical care and and you know the results pan out the results are the same so you know i'm I'm guessing that if he's being handed off to like this this mega corporation he's probably not getting a lot of physical affection exactly i mean he's basically being created to be you know a a tool an instrument for the shinra and that was a lot of Mm -hmm. a lot of what happened with even the the different soldiers that were um you know, made throughout that whole entire time was they were, you know, taking from taken from families. They well, a lot of them were loved yeah. and cared for, but there were some that weren't, and they actually ended up becoming really bad people. And um, yeah, you know, and it's just like today, you know, if you know, you go and take a child from somebody, and they haven't had the love or the care for they're going to turn out to where they're going to be disruptive they're going to have a lot of mental health issues a lot of separation anxiety 
you know, th- right. things like that, you know. And I think that that attachment disorders. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that um, it was even saying here in the wiki uh, was that uh, Sephiroth never gained that ability to talk to the planet because he wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, Genova wasn't a uh, ancient people. I forgot what they called them. Um, but Cetra that they're talking about. Yeah, it was a Cetra. Desc- I assume it's pronounced Cetra. Yeah, it was a Cetra descendant, but there was like another name that they had. Oh, gotcha. Um, and and it was a, a name that a lot of people went by, and so uh, he had, you know, because of of being injected with cells of Genova, he had extremely high physical prowess uh, and he had a lot of skills a lot of the different ones didn't have because there's a difference between the cells that he got from Genova and the cells for being bathed in the Mako energy there's it's completely different Um, which happened later the the Mako energy happened later exactly and so yeah uh, so he was basically raised to be a super soldier, and he was in, I guess he was in quite a few uh, wars, uh, one of which was the Wu-Tai War, which he apparently was very instrumental in, in uh, ensuring Shinra's dominance of, you know, what they were doing. And he wrote, yeah. ro- finally rose to the rank of soldier first class, which was the highest rank you could get. Uh, with that and he was very admired and very respected he was uh, uh, pretty much a, a really good war, a great war hero he was one of the ones where he would go and help people and he would go and you know make sure people were safe and cared for and whatnot but then you know later on uh, that actually changed uh, and when that changed was in the Genesis War um, because it was near the end of the Wu-Tai War, um, that uh, things had actually changed for him. Because I guess, if I remember correctly, that was when he had two... He he actually had two close friends. There was uh, Angel, which is spelled A-N-G-E-A-L, and Genesis. Okay. And yeah. they were the most famous soldiers uh, between uh, Sephiroth, Angel, and Genesis. They were the, the top three uh, super soldiers. Mm-hmm. And okay. one of the things that uh, Sephiroth said to Genesis, he go, he said, well, whether your words are lies created to deceive me or the truth that I have sought all my life, it makes no difference. You will rot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that shows you, you know, he said that to one of his friends. And now, to to me, that's pretty, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, you guys can fend for yourselves or whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's bad enough. But saying directly that you will rot, something obviously changed in him to be that way. Because, you know, as you and I are are friends, you know, I wouldn't say something like that to you because it would deeply hurt you and make you distraught, you know? (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) So... That that's like to me that's quite that's completely <laughs> heinous to say something like that and obvi- yeah, obviously yeah. you know there there had to have been something that that changed so 
Yeah. Um, basically, what had happened was um, in this war, uh, you know, they they were constantly training, constantly trying to, uh, you know, become better, become better fighters, faster. Uh, that way they could do what they needed to. And one of the, tra- mm-hmm. the one of the sessions, and this is this is how scary this this is to me. You know, just reading on it is the fact that one of the training sessions involved having an apple on the heads while the others would throw their swords to pierce it. <laughs> and Se- Sephiroth <laughs> was always the one that was winning that. Now that's scary. You know, I wouldn't like, <laughs> wouldn't want anybody throwing tell times ten here. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want anybody throwing a dagger or shooting it off my head. That that's that yeah, that's scary. Um, but um, you know, Genesis, uh, you know, he actually at one point challenged Sephiroth uh on a one on one battle, and uh-huh. he used a, a very powerful magic to enhance you know his weapon that he had. But uh-huh. Sephiroth actually, you know, beat him, you know, and the fight uh, had actually ended because Angel had to intervene before somebody uh, hurt somebody or killed them. And so, yeah, uh, you know, afterwards, uh, after the war, uh, Shinra, the anti-Shinra group, uh, Avalanche, intensified its actions because i guess they were part of that war that was going on and so sephiroth went in and engaged you know some of the forces uh which at that time the avalanche leader was i i don't know if you say it as elf or elfie but it's e i don't know e-l-f-e and yeah and that that was that when he was fighting Sephiroth, he actually asked him, you know, if he fought for a reason. And apparently it changed his th- uh, Sephiroth's thinking a little bit because it would actually eventually threaten the planet's existence. So so it's like before then, he was just fighting, but he didn't necessarily have a purpose for fighting. It was just sort of what he was created and trained to do and now he's kind of having this epiphany that he could use his strength and his force to do something exactly you know and and that's that's a lot like like some of these uh some soldiers even nowadays that some of them just are doing it because that's what they've been trained for that's what their job is sure they don't it's a paycheck yeah they don't really have a a reason for it yeah but you know sometimes when you have that that reason for fighting which could be you know for instance a good person would be fighting for the ones that they love to make sure nobody got hurt to make sure that they would do what was needed in order for people you know to survive through whatever it is that's going on and so one of the things that that kind of piqued my interest too was that during uh, the assault on Fort Tamblin, which was the um, basically the um, fort where I guess Avalanche was at, um, okay. Sephiroth saves Zach Fair, uh, which is Angel's student, 
Uh, and Zach is actually in the game Crisis Core. You play as him throughout the whole entire game, which is actually Cloud's friend slash mentor, as you find out later on. Um, and so he saved saved Zach um, and discovered that Genesis uh, defected with a Shinra scientist. Uh, Hollander was his name. Uh, created an army using copy technology, which I'm assuming would be like the equivalent of, you know, cloning, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So, Sephiroth, you know, between that, you know, finding out about that, you know, and then uh, continuing on, you know, Angel went rogue, torn between... Mm -hmm. uh, his loyalties and so i guess both uh his friends are uh, considered killed in action because they they both one defected the other one just went completely rogue and so that left okay. left no one there so later on um there was more uh more you know instances between zach and, and sephiroth and uh, Zach had actually gone and confronted Hollander and Genesis a little bit later on, and he learned, or, or no, uh, I'm sorry, before you know, Zach actually found anything that that was important to what he was trying to do. Uh, he yeah. was actually forced to kill Angel and Genesis as well. Okay. So. You know, Zach is more of the good guy because, you know, there's two people that went rogue on him, which were Sephiroth's friends. And so I would assume that that probably angered Sephiroth to a great degree. And he was probably in a lot of despair and maybe not able to, to learn how to control some of his emotions or feelings on it, maybe. Um, and maybe that's part of where mm. he started changing maybe after finding out about some of that. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, um, and I know the, the biggest thing where he actually changed, changed and he fully changed was, uh, you know, in, uh, it was on September 22nd, I guess in the year. Oh, two, uh, the Nibelheim incident, um, yeah. And what that was was there was was a monster outbreak um, near the town's reactor, and mm -hmm. so he went there. Sephiroth went there with Zack and uh, two other Shinra uh, infantrymen, which was one of which was the 16-year-old Cloud Strife. So okay. this is where where yeah. Cloud comes into the the mix, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and. So one of the things that, and this was, this was interesting because this is part of how, uh, you know, Cloud and Sephiroth knew each other is because they actually fought together a, a little bit during this time. Yeah, yeah. Which to me is kind of astounding because it's like, so they actually knew each other. It's not just like, well, he had to go, Cloud had to go and kill him eventually, you know. And, right. and so one of the things that um, 
Sephiroth had asked Cloud was how it felt to be back in his hometown. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think uh, that was actually where he uh, Cloud grew up, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and that's what it sounds like. and uh, that's where Tifa was as well, because uh, he grew up. With, yeah. uh, Cloud grew up with Tifa. Yeah. yeah. And so Zach had questioned Sephiroth about his family, and I guess at some point through all of his training and all the the fighting and everything, Sephiroth had gotten told that his uh, mother, in quotations, Genova, had died during childbirth. Yeah, and whereas Genova is actually the name of the project and the name of the extraterrestrial that those cells came from. Exactly. Rather than his actual mother. So he just grew up knowing absolutely nothing about his parentage at all. Exactly. So basically he grew up thinking that Genova was his real mother when that's that wasn't the case. And so obviously somewhere along yeah. the line someone was lying to him throughout this whole thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, um, later on, uh, when he gets to the, the reactor, he Sephiroth actually makes two different discoveries that, that really rocks him to his core, uh, so to speak. Yeah. Because well, one of which was uh, the fact that he found several pod-like chambers, and they were containing these really deformed, monstrous creatures that used to be human. And they were mutated because they got exposed to Mako, which is the life energy of the, of the planet. And there was a yeah. section there labeled Genova containing a feminine looking creature. So obviously that's where they were keeping Genova. Yeah. So at this point, he's finding out the truth. Yes. And it's, you know, with anybody, if you're getting lied to all your life and then all of a sudden you find out what the truth actually is. Well, and especially when the truth is, like, this, like, mind-blowing. I mean, this isn't just, like, finding out that the person you thought was your dad, you know, wasn't your dad, or something like that. This is, like, finding out that your entire existence is kind of, is, is this weird experiment. Exactly. And so one of the things, too, is was I thought, okay, you know, because most of the time, like in in the games and even in the uh, the Advent Children movie, you uh -huh. see Sephiroth as a very cool, collected type of guy. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because that's you know how he was trained to act like or be, or maybe it's because he wants to to act like oh well, this is nothing, you know, and kind of makes yeah. people shake in their boots so to speak so uh when he uh zach was i guess zach was with him at, at the time zach had actually suggested that there was a connection between the soldiers and the creatures that were in the tanks so because of mm -hmm. that sephiroth got extremely angry and horrified that he is different uh, yeah. So different, I'm assuming, is because he had the the um, Genova cells put into him, compared to what mm -hmm. you know it it was for other ones, and so yeah. Uh, I I think Genesis uh, in Final Fantasy Crisis Core um, 
Genesis has Genesis had actually played a uh, part in inciting Sephiroth's madness by revealing Sephiroth was actually born from the Genova Project. So that's where it comes in, where he was actually revealed to him that this is where he was actually came from. It wasn't like he was, yeah. you know, born and then given all these treatments and stuff, you know, through Mako or whatever. But it was actually that Genesis had learned the actual truth and was like, no, this is how you came to be. And so I could understand how upsetting that can be. Because, I mean, if I found out that my whole existence was based on a lie and wasn't who I thought I was, and I was made from basically a test tube, I'd be pretty upset yeah. myself. Yeah. I, said, I mean, this is like a major, major breaking point and major change for Sephiroth. This is this is where everything changes for him. Yeah, and, and it's surprisingly... And, yeah. You know, because uh, I, I actually had watched um, some of the cutscenes from it to kind of get myself up to speed a little bit. And the way yeah. he goes and, and flies through that, uh, you know, into a rage is unbelievable. The yeah. power that just emanates from him is so incredibly amazing. I mean, it, it's, in a way... It's beautiful with how much power that he has, but it's also scary at the same time. Sure, sure. And we've got like all these different pieces in place too that, you know, all all of these all of these elements have come together into this one moment. So you've got this this character who's who's first finding out that he's been lied to, but you also put in that piece where he was taught, you know, to fight with purpose. And now he's given a purpose to fight for. Exactly. Exactly. And so one of the things that um what really kind of disturbed him too was finding out that, you know, this fe feminine creature that was in the pods was the same name as his mother. So Right. You know, uh no, he's no slouch. He can put it all together. Yeah, exactly. So he, he actually goes through, he goes through and he goes back to the manor where I guess they have like the a base camp, I guess. And he goes through all the research notes that are in the library yeah. in the basement. And he goes through and looks at it and he comes to believe that Genova is a cetera, which is the ancient ones, I guess. Yeah. And which, which is a mistake. Genova is not a Cetra. That's that was kind of made clear, and that's why he didn't get that particular power that they were anticipating him to have. So he's got this information, but he's basing all of his conclusions on wrong information. Exactly. Now, to give a little bit of insight as to what Cetra are compared to what Genova is, Cetra were yeah. actually born on the planet. Sure. And they were ones that were in tune with the planet and its needs. And they, you know, they've mm -hmm. done a lot to keep the planet preserved and to keep it blooming and fresh and, you know, alive, you know. And Genova, yeah. she actually came from off planet. She literally came down, uh, you know, from an unknown area and crash landed there and ended up wanting to destroy the planet. So that's where yeah. where the two differences be are between the Cetra and Genova is because one wants to destroy, the other one wants to keep it uh, alive and going and, and be peaceful, you know? And um, yeah. so because he's finding this out, he's thinking, well, he's her son. 
and he that he's the last survivor of the Cetra people. So, yeah. Uh, and I when you when we when you think about this, this is where like the real tragedy of Sephiroth's story comes about. That he could have been, you know, some somebody who does good, you know, for the world. I mean, this is such a common thing that you see in stories of antagonists, mm-hmm. you know, that that they 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 have so they they've been given like all of this power and they've been given all of this strength that could have been used in so many positive ways but because you know they 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 so often have this moment where something sets them off sets them apart from um whatever path they were supposed to be on and they kind of take matters into their own hands and it turns into a complete disaster exactly you know and and i think that's that's one of the the kind of more outstanding points about his story is that you know when you sit there being trained believing one thing finding out something different and then making a different conclusion that's not entirely true because of whatever mm-hmm. other lies that were being spread yeah it it creates a whole huge uh detrimental outlook on things because then he they people will do things for the wrong reasons you know they they'll they'll right. put their you know they think they're doing right but it's not the truth it's not real and when it, yeah. so because he was thinking he was the last survivor uh, cuz apparently this is how old the the civilization of the Cetra people were i mean there was like they were alive like 10,000 years ago or i mean not 10,000 mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago and yeah. The human race actually went and betrayed them and leaving um, them al- alone to defend the planet from the calamity, which was Genova. That's when she came to the planet was 2000 years ago from from this. Yeah, this so point. it's like mistake upon mistake upon mistake. Exactly. Hey guys, as you know, I'm part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, and I wanted to take a moment to introduce you to a couple of other great Rocket Club shows you'll want to check out. Hey all you wannabe raiders out there, it's your bestest girl Rose coming at you from top of the world. Now it's time for your local traffic and weather. Welp, looks like almost everyone's still dead, so traffic is at a standstill. (laughs) And now a word from our sponsor, because they're totally not bribing me with massive amounts of chems or anything. Seems as the stuffed shirts are back at the White Springs playing games with that total loser modus. But hey, if that's your thing, whatever! So if all you squares wanted to hear more, totally, sort of, but maybe not boring stories about rebuilding Appalachia and being all goody two-shoes, definitely not raiders, check out this thing they call a podcast, The Modus Files, whatever that's supposed to be, on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else you listen to those things. Double ug, they're not paying me enough for this. Till later, this is Rose. Raiders rule! How does the song Country Roads begin? Almost heaven, 
West Virginia, right? A lot has changed in Appalachia since the Scorch Plague, and it is far from heaven now. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story, is a rich and immersive audio drama based upon the popular video game, with strong storytelling and fascinating characters from across many familiar factions. Far From Heaven is a podcast fans of the video game will love. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, and many other great podcasting platforms. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story, available now. Do you like League of Legends? Do you like Legends of Runeterra? Do you like anything set in the Runeterran universe? Well, in League of Lore, that is what we shall be discussing. I am Skullhead Soldiers, and this is a podcast about the lore of League of Legends and other properties set in the Runeterran universe. We'll be diving into each region, as well as all the champions that exist in this wonderful, crazy fantasy universe. And I hope to see you all there. I want to call out like this 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 paragraph from the wiki of Sephiroth talking with his, you know, quote unquote mother. And you can hear this this confusion and this desire to it, it sounds like he's got this desire to fix, but he's just completely misguided and misled he says you know mother let's take back the planet together i i had an epiphany let's go to the promised land mother yeah mother they're here again you should have ruled this planet you were stronger smarter uh they came and took this planet away from you but don't be sad mother i am with you now but it's like and it's like you could feel his 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 grief and his desire to fix in this paragraph but it's all still wrong because he doesn't actually know who and what Genova is. Exactly. And see that's to me that's like the the saddest part of any story that you'll come across is you have somebody that has no no real reason to fight for anything. He finally gets the yeah. uh, the reason, but he's confused yeah. at if it's the right action he should take because you can tell with what he's saying there, he's doubting himself. He's doubting what his idea is or his thoughts are. He's doubting the fact that, you know, what's really true, what's not. But he feels that, you know, obviously that that's his mother. And so, yeah, you know, the one of the sad things is, is because he went into this rage he went and destroyed the, that town of Nibelheim. And right. so Sephiroth, uh, you know, after afterwards, he uh, Sephiroth went into the chamber where the Genova creature is. And yeah. Zack went and confronted him. And it, it this, this kind of hits kind of home. A little bit because I'm going to read this directly from the wiki because uh, it, to me it's yeah. kind of sad. It goes, when when Zack went to go confront him, Sephiroth only keeps talking to his mother saying they will reclaim the planet and head to the promised land. He tears off the effigy mm -hmm. blocking Genova's remains and ejects Zack from the chamber continuing to declare himself chosen to rule the planet. And... Yeah. 
So I guess when that happens, you know, it's kind of like they see something bad going on and Cloud and Zach are are like the only two good people there uh, other than because I think um, Tifa and her father were there as well. But uh, Tifa's father got killed by by Sephiroth and then Sephiroth, Mm. uh, Sephiroth got attacked by uh, Tifa with his own sword because he left the sword in her father, which is a horrible way to see your your parent, you know, to be uh, have passed away and went and attacked him and got disarmed and uh, apparently cut her down, which I don't know if that means he just wounded her pretty badly or he actually killed her. I'm thinking it was just that he... um, wounded her pretty severely because she was alive later on. And, yeah. and the funny thing with that is, is people, there are some people that are like, have some, this theory where, well, after reading that, well, throughout the whole entire game of final fantasy seven, well, Tifa's is just like a ghost, mm. which I mean, to me, would kind of make sense if she actually died, but I don't think she actually died. I think she just got severely injured. Um, so, you know, after, you know, Zach got hurled out of that chamber, Cloud went, entered with, uh, Zach's buster sword and it actually killed or impaled Sephiroth from behind and, and got him through the abdomen. So it severely wounded Sephiroth, and uh, he, Sephiroth actually turned and decapitated Genova and stumbled, ac- stumbled across the room. So then he's attacked again by Cloud. And Cloud actually got wounded because he got stabbed with Masa... Uh, I want to say it's Masamune or, or Masa, Masamune, okay. which is um, Sephiroth's sword. Yeah. And... So then Cloud, being a- as vigilant as he is as a good guy, he actually takes that uh, that attack and he uses it as a lever and hurls Sephiroth into a pool of Mako. Yeah. A- and so Sephiroth, you know, vanishes with the head still in, uh, still in his grasp, apparently falling to his death. So that's where Sephiroth got killed the first time. So yeah, and I, I was thinking that when you were talking about uh, Tifa too. I mean, in Final Fantasy, this is kind of a common thing where people die and then just sort of turn up again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're back. Okay. <laughs> so one of the interesting things that I thought about it too was, you know, I remember playing that part of, um. Crisis Core, I think it was Crisis Core that that it was in. Um, but uh, I remember playing that, and, and I don't know if it had been on somebody else's console or whatnot, and then watching all of that, and finding out that Sephiroth has an extremely powerful, powerful will, because even though he got mm-hmm. thrown in there, he wouldn't let himself mm-hmm. die. So yeah. he actually um, traveled through, Sephiroth actually traveled through the live stream, and uh, I guess he had been, 
going through that, I guess, looking for answers, maybe. Uh, yeah. And when and the afterlife, you actually went through that for its spirits. And uh, he was actually growing in power and knowledge. So he was getting all because basically what the life stream is, is it once somebody dies, they go into life stream. So all that knowledge and all that experience that people have had throughout their life. Mm-hmm. goes into yeah. what the, the planet or the life stream and it makes it to where the planet is constantly changing constantly evolving to where it can grow and to become a, a better and more uh plentiful planet for people and yeah. their resources and so yeah that's when you know because Sephiroth was traveling through it, he was actually gaining that power and gaining the knowledge. And he actually, um, I guess, the the fragments of his body that, that were left had actually gone to a cave, uh, in uh, I guess, inside the North Crater. And it was actually, they were forming together to recreate Sephiroth's physical form in a, a cocoon mm-hmm. of Mako. So this was how he was starting to come back to life. And it, it's very interesting how uh, that came about. Because, I mean, if somebody has that strong of willpower, that's going to be very hard to beat. Very hard to break. Because... So in a way, he kind of got what he wanted. Yes. You know, from when he was talking to Genova. Even though, you know, he... I don't know, care for what you wish for, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's it's interesting because another thing that, you know, he was able to do was he was actually, uh, Sephiroth was, you know, even though he was encased in that thing of Mako, his physical body was, mm-hmm. he actually could control, Sephiroth could control Genova's cells as an extension of his own body. So he was still able to act out all of his plans that he had in motion that he wanted to do. And one of which was, um, you know, basically uh, part of it was putting his body back together. But I think maybe uh, making his father, because his uh, his father was still alive at this point in time, according to what um, I'm understanding. And mm-hmm. his father went and injected Zack and Cloud and other survivors uh, of Nibelheim with the Genova cells. God. And, or, or not Genova, Genova cells, but Sephiroth cells. So, Which are essentially Genova cells. Yes. So it, it's like it's like a whole whole lineage in a way. Yeah. Because it goes yeah. from Genova to Sephiroth, then from Sephiroth to Zack to Cloud. And so basically he was it was turning them into to clones of himself. And the the way that would happen was uh Sephiroth could actually override the people that had his cells in their body with his nice. his own will and make it to where uh they could actually uh, come about um, making uh, the a reunion of Genova and Sephiroth possible, and so 
later on, um, and I think this was in, I can't remember. I, I know in, in the movie, uh, Advent Children, this is part of what they were talking about. And it, it was the reunion because there was um, several others that had the Sephiroth uh, genes in them, the cells. And they actually made it to where they formed Sephiroth yet again. So, yeah. so in reality, Sephiroth can't die because he's basically like a god-like person now because he, yeah. of being in the live stream and everything else. So, to me, that was like one of the most interesting things about Sephiroth was how powerful his will was to be able to, to make his plan still come to fruition even though he wasn't physically able to do anything. And yeah. that's pretty scary because, I mean, you hear of some games where uh, I, I, there was one I had, had played a, a long time ago where they actually had come back to life and they were actually mass mind controlling everybody. And they were making them mm. do do exactly what they wanted and building the forces and whatnot to go and strike back against these people and make this whole entire yeah. war go out. And so it kind of reminds me of that. And it's just, it, it's so amazing that this reason that he has for fighting is now making it to where he can do all of this. And it, he's still, still trying to make it to where he can go forward from that. And, yeah. and um, you know, there were other, other several unique things about Sephiroth, which, um, for instance, like I said before, his his physical strength that he had was unsurpassed. No one could defeat him yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and with it, I mean, he had... Uh, not only did he have the physical strength, but he could actually empower his sword to cast powerful blades and energy waves and even release omnidirectional bursts by slamming the ground with his sword, which was a very, very powerful blow. I mean, he could be making craters with that. I mean, he was very strong with yeah. and well-versed in magic as well and materia, which materia are like these little orbs that you'll see in... Um, I can't remember if you find it in Final Fantasy VII, the original game, but I know in the remake they did have those. And you could put them okay. in your swords and your your mm. weapons and stuff and make it to where you could heal, you could use thunder, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and uh, and that was even before he got immersed in live stream. And then after being in the live stream, he actually absorbed the knowledge of the ancients to where he didn't have to have materia to use magic anymore. Um. And one of his signature uh, powers that he had was Heartless Angel, which summoned angels to sap mm. enemies of their strength and Shadow Yikes. shadow Flare to create gravitational exploding orbs of darkness, which if you play Kingdom Hearts 2 and you're having to fight him, that's what he uses. Okay. Which it, it, it's they're very hard to attacks to, to miss uh, when you're playing Kingdom Hearts as Sora. And I think the first time that I actually ever beat Sephiroth, 
I had to be like level mm-hmm. 99, the the highest level you could be. And it took me about, I'll say about 15 or 16 hours to beat him straight. Because yeah. it was that hard to beat him. Jeez. Oh my god. <laughs> it, it, it was well, I amazing. Know. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it, it was it was completely amazing how powerful. Because like, you, you, reading it, you're like, oh yeah, they say that about a lot. But when you're actually faced with it in a game, it's like, holy crap. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I know th- I know that we've only kind of scratched the surface of Sephiroth because there's just so much happening here. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna <laughs> it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, is there anything that you want to kind of uh, any any ideas or thoughts that you kind of want to leave it with here before we wrap it up? Yeah, basically, you know. <sighs> With his story, to me, it's like a heroic tragedy, uh, and it kind of goes with anybody, and it kind of fits with, you know, real life today. Because there's a lot of people out there that that ha- don't have the people to sit there and love them or care for them, or they have gone through extremely terrible things and finding out the the real truth about it, and yeah. they've gone through and not necessarily have become better for it but they use it as a crutch they they use it to you know do kind of some bad things or try to get out of stuff and and you know it it, with Sephiroth he kind of embodied that in a way because with having the heroic tragedy he went through all this stuff he he was a good person because obviously he was saving people before yeah, he w- yeah. he was known as the you know a legendary hero because he yeah. was saving people. He was fighting in these wars and was saving hundreds or even thousands or even millions of lives. And then yeah, and the main heroes of the game looked up to him. Exactly. Was, you know, he was a role model. And you know, because of that and then finally learning the, the truth or at least sort of the truth because maybe in a way Genova while he was sitting there looking at her and talking to her, maybe she actually could manifest her will in some way and brainwash him Mm. to the point where he was thinking, okay, this is what I need to do now. I need to destroy the planet, you know? Yeah. Um, And, you know, for me, I've had a lot of similarities with that because I've had a lot of, bad and traumatic things in my life where it's been earth shattering for me and it's like okay how am I supposed to deal with this how am I supposed to continue on or or what am I supposed to do with this situation you know yeah yeah and you know is the choice that I'm going to make you know is is this the kind of choice that is going to be beneficial or is it going to be hindering what I really should be doing and there's yeah. been several instances like that throughout my life where it's just been completely, you know, mind blowing with, with some of the stuff. And for me, I've always tried doing things for the better because it's helped me to grow as a person. It's helped me to become a better husband, a better father, you know, a, a better um, truck driver, because, you know, in some instances where, you know, there's a lot of accidents out here and sure, you know, if we can take 
something like a, a really bad tragedy and turn it in, into something good, we'll be all for the better because, yeah. you know, it'll make us better people. It'll make our lives not easier, so to speak, but better. And it'll also make our, our family lives and, uh, you know, the relationships that we have with people a lot better, too. That's is very much um, kind of one of the ideas behind Stoic philosophy. Are you are you familiar with that at all? A little bit. Yeah, but kind of that idea of you know, um, it, it was summarized in a book that was kind of about uh, Stoic philosophy. But the title of the book was "The Obstacle Is the Way," where the idea is you know, these these big moments in our lives that we perceive as you know these crisis moments these are our opportunities for growth and and one of the ideas of the book is that you know we should kind of be grateful for these i i, I haven't gotten to that point yet <laughs> i'm not I, i'm not a good stoic that's um you know I, I don't i don't know that i can be grateful for some of the things that have happened um especially when they are things that maybe didn't happen to me but happened to someone i loved mm -hmm. Um, but they still are defining moments in my life and the person that I, you know, have become is very much in part of those moments and how I, how I reacted to those moments and the choices I made, you know, in regards to those moments. And I think that that's kind of what we're touching on here. I agree because, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, things that have happened to, to other ones and, and not being sure if you can be grateful for things. I, I think I, yeah. I feel like I'm the same way at times because mm -hmm. there's things that some of my family and friends have gone through that when you look at it at face value, not, not even digging into the details, you get upset, you get angry about it. You can go in, into like full rage mode and mm -hmm. be upset about it. But one yeah. thing that I look at is when something like that has gone on to someone and they have had that tragedy and they're, they're going through things and they're having to take the time to, to deal with it. I look at the fact that what are they doing with it? Are they sitting yeah. there? going to make making their lives better with what happened are they doing better for it are they doing things yeah. that you know are making them happier because of it because they're doing something completely different than what was taught to them or that they learned or what they went through and for me as long as they're learning to be better they're doing something productive with that tragedy and they're feeling better about themselves their their self-esteem is a little bit higher they're doing better you know in, in daily life to me i can be grateful for that because they're they've learned from that experience in that instance and that makes me happy because i can sit there and be there to support them even if I don't agree with some of the choices that they may make, but I can be there to sure. support them and be that person to lean on. And if they need me, I'm right there. And yeah, it's some of it is, you know, kind of really touchy subjects with, and it's understandable because some people don't do so well 
with it. I've seen people where they've completely gone through that tragedy and come out the wrong side of it, you know, and it's... Well, in some cases, that can be, you know, what radicalizes people, too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That means, and some of, and, and for instance, not to get into like gory details or stuff, but some of the stuff, like the serial killers and stuff that have been out there, some really bad stuff has happened to them, but they didn't choose to go and take it in the right direction. They just completely let it overtake them and rule their lives. And I think that's part of what Sephiroth was doing was he went through and had this bad thing happen and found out everything that was told to him was a lie. And he completely overreacted and took it into a whole different direction and decided to do worse than better. And Yeah, and again, all based on incorrect information and, and just this this enormous web of lies exactly that he was kind of caught in the middle of and just without even really realizing it. And I I think one good thing we can learn from it is that manipulation from people does hurt, does change us. And Oh God. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's kind of hard to tell, especially if you trust the person, Mm -hmm. if it's actually manipulation or if it's actually truth you know right yeah and and i think that's where sephiroth came in to it was he trusted these people and he was manipulated by them and he thought everything that they told him was truth and you know that that's definitely for me one of the saddest stories that i have heard because you know you've seen some of these ones where you, you know in games or even in real life where they've completely gone through and based everything on that trust that bond that they had with one person and it then come to find out when it happened it completely devastated them and and so you know that's that's something that's got to be the the biggest uh i guess you could say backstab of all yeah well, thank you so much for bringing Sephiroth to talk about. This was uh, super interesting, and he's a super interesting character. And like I said, I mean, uh, I apologize for the motorcycle that decided to come by right at this moment. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> I was going to say. Okay, you're going to leave? Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, um, you know, like I said, we only scratched the surface. And... Um, you know, there's definitely a lot more there, but I think that, you know, we uncovered a lot of, you know, mistaken motivation and really interesting details about a really interesting character. Yeah, exactly. Well, awesome. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you to talk to you about Sephiroth or any of the other things you got going on, uh, where can they find you? Uh, you guys can find me on uh, Discord because I'm generally, uh, since I'm gone all the time, uh, I usually have it on my phone so I can get messages and stuff that way. Uh, you can find me on Twitch and message me on there at Zemnis the Nightwolf. Um, and then you can even get a hold of me on Twitter as well, uh, which is, I believe it's Zemnis the Nightwolf as well. And, uh, sweet. And we'll, yeah, we'll put all those links in the show notes too. So people can track you down. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm currently right now, uh, I'm, am doing my podcast, uh, where it's just about a whole different, uh, bunch of things. And right now, uh, I'm actually working on a special project for that, uh, where I'm, uh, 
doing sort of a, a role-playing um, type story along of um, like Fallout 76. And I'm also going to be doing like a uh, story corner where I'm actually going to be uh, writing out um, either stories or writing out uh, my book that I'm still in the process of um, working on and uh, reading it out on that. So if you want to listen into the, awesome. the podcast, it's uh, Nightwolf Radio. You can find me on Spotify, Anchor, uh, and a bunch of different other ones um, that I forgot. I think I'm even on iTunes as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sam. Thank you. I had so much fun talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Pixel People podcast. Check out the show notes for links to the game and characters discussed and to connect with me and my guest. Want to be a guest on the show? There's a link in the show notes for a short form you can fill out and I'll reach out to you. A huge thank you to my patrons, especially my tier two and three patrons, Red and Aperture Flash. And thank you to Elias Ali and Andy Brooks, who created the theme music. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pixel People Pod and keep up with Firewriter on Twitter, Twitch, and Discord. Enjoying the show? Be sure to subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd love it if you could leave a review. It helps more people find the show. See you next time.